Hi there, great to have you with us. My name's Johnny Reed, and you're listening to the Christians in Sport podcast. This podcast speaks to sports people who follow Jesus and asks them how they play connected, how they've connected their sport and faith together, and what difference their faith then makes to their sport. Today we're speaking to Nick Ferriby, just as the Men's T20 World Cup is about to kick off in Australia. Nick's a former professional and international cricket player who's now the assistant pastor at Jersey Baptist Church. He played minor counties cricket for Cambridgeshire before making his list A debut for Leicestershire in 2007. He moved to Jersey in 2018 and soon after qualified to play internationally for them. He's played 18 T20 internationals, including an ITC Men's T20 World Cup qualifier in the UAE. So let's join Dano now as he speaks with Nick Ferriby about his sport and his faith. Enjoy. Well, Ferris, uh, welcome to the Christians in Sport podcast. Now, obviously, I should say Nick Ferriby uh, because that's the, your proper, proper name. But you're Ferris to everyone, aren't you? So uh, welcome. I'm going to kick you off with the first question that we ask all our guests, uh, and which I should tell you, we have warned him that is coming his way. Here's the first question, though, always. What does it mean for you to have your sport and faith connected, to, to play connected? Mm. Um, yeah, it's been a, a journey uh, of seeing my sport and my faith come together over the years. Uh, and it's been one that's not always smooth, you know, just thinking over the years uh, of journeying with those two things together. Um, but I think, you know, some of the, the, the key things that I've tried to kind of uh, bring together and, and is, is firstly kind of worship, really, um, understanding how uh, my sport uh, can be worship and part of my relationship with God. Uh, growing up until the age of 20, it wasn't really. Those two weren't together. Uh, kind of what I thought was faith and Christianity was very much separate on a Sunday to what I was doing uh, on a stunt, uh, on a midweek. Uh, and so kind of understanding that actually sport in and of itself can be a great way to, to worship God and to, to play for his glory instead of my own. Uh, and to, I guess, you know, if God is creator, which, you know, I came to understand as a Christian in my early twenties, uh, he's, he's given us sport as a great kind of uh, way in which we can express that creative uh, image that he's given us it says you know in Genesis 1 that we're made in God's image in, in other words we're kind of in, made in his likeness to to resemble that creativeness in the way we play our sport so you know just in simple terms you know every time we we work on a, a new cricket shot for example in the in training the buzz from them playing that in a game and nailing it and, and getting a boundary is I think a God-given joy that he gives us uh, so I think just in simple terms, learning that and kind of in, in terms of the game, just the way the game has creatively moved on and developed, uh, you see the, the purest parts of God's creation coming out in cricket in the way it's developed and evolved and new shots being played. You know, Kevin Peterson bought new shots into the game, didn't he, when he uh, started switch hitting, you know, seam bowlers uh, and then just formats have changed. You know, Kerry Packer bought in the ODI series, uh, one day format and then t20s kind of come out in the in the 2000s uh and then you've got tactics have evolved you know i think it's a, a amazing thing when you see tactics have changed over the years you see morgan owen morgan's numbers being put up in the in the dressing room now uh they're all god-given creative 
uh, things that are part of sport. So I think just seeing that and actually recognizing that actually that's a God given thing has helped me in my sport. How did that breakthrough happen? So I, I'm assuming you had a faith then uh, as a youngster and that you had to work out mm. what it looked like to have a, a faith in God through Christ. And as you've just described, the creativity, the, the fact that you were made by God, that it was very much a part of being a Christian. Mm. Take me back a little bit, uh, both to your own faith and, and how you got to that tipping point that you've just described to us. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah, growing up, really, sport was everything for me. I arrived at university, left university as a very fresh kind of fresher, uh, straight out of school. And uh, sport had been everything for me kind of through my, my schooling time. And I arrived kind of with hockey and cricket as my kind of two main sports. I'd done some England juniors for hockey and uh, some Leicester second team stuff for cricket. So I wanted to get stuck into both those sports at university. And actually, I loved it. You know, first time I was at university, totally kind of away from home. And uh, it was probably 90% sport and training and being with teammates and 10% studies. Uh, that's the way kind of university rolled out in my first year. And I loved it. Um, but I think, you know, at the same time, my faith was something I had in my life, uh, but a very small part. Uh, I thought I was a Christian. I would have called myself a Christian, but it was very much uh, a small part of my life. I didn't really know what Jesus had done for me uh, on the cross and the implications for that in my life at that stage in my first year. Um, and so as a consequence, I, I was living very much kind of two uh, in two worlds, one foot in the church, and one foot in the world. I used to go sporadically to church kind of through my first year uh, at university, but a lot of the, a lot of the Loughborough hockey games, national prem games were on Sundays. And so we'd either be away for the whole day traveling across the country uh, or if we're at home, uh, we'd be playing in the afternoon and then straight down to the pub afterwards. And if you're a fresher, you've got no option. You can't you know, tell your teammates you're going to church. And I certainly wasn't in that place. So, uh, so my first year was very much kind of uh, living a life that wasn't uh, a Christian life, really, uh, one that honoured God. Uh, but actually, then things changed in my second year. And there was one moment uh, at the end of my summer holidays between my first and second year when uh, I'd been at home for the summer, living at home, playing cricket uh, over the summer. And my brother, uh, who was a Christian, recognised that my life wasn't quite right uh, and it was sliding away from what he knew we'd grown up with as a family. And uh, he was dropping me off at a teammate's house, cricket teammate's house, uh, at the end of that summer uh, for me to start off back at uni and for him to go off to, to his uh, job and work. And uh, he broke down in tears. And uh, uh, this, obviously brother, this never happens. Uh, he broke down in tears, at which point I then start breaking down in tears. And he says to me, look, Nick, I can see, and this, this actually is in front of my teammates. So my teammates at the door uh, waiting for me to kind of arrive into the house. And we're just getting my stuff out the back of the car. I can remember the picture now. And my brother says to me, look, Nick, I don't care what's happening in your life. I just want you to start reading your Bible again. And even now, like the, the kind of lump in my throat comes back because that was a, a massive wake up call. And it stirred me, just his heart and emotion. And yeah, so throughout that second year, I then kind of wanted to grapple with this. Uh, oh, I did start grappling with it. I tried to read my Bible. I got far as kind of Exodus. I think I wasn't much of a reader. Uh, and so I, I kind of crashed and burned then, but I just, my lifestyle was very much grappling through my second year. 
Uh, no one other than my brother kind of challenged me on this. And so it was very much an inner conviction. I think I can see God kind of would work in my life to, to show me this, the sinfulness of my life, that my life wasn't right with him. My relationship with a girlfriend wasn't right. Drinking and the falseness of the relationships I had with drunken nights where I'd be full of life. And then the next morning I'd see the same person and not chat to them because I was a different person. So I, I started to kind of see for all this and started then to go back to church a bit more. And uh, I was a classic kind of fringe church member throughout my second year. I used to go five minutes late and leave five minutes early <laughs> so that I never had to speak to anyone. Uh, but on one occasion towards the end of the, the summer in that second year, someone, a lady at the church uh, got a hold of me and, uh, and she pulled me to one side uh, and she said, look, I, I see you come to church, you know, a bit more regularly recently. Why is it you always wear a shirt and tie? And uh, uh, I had to explain, uh, she thought I was just a very formal Christian. Uh, it was actually just because our uniform for our hockey team was shirt and tie. And so I'd go from our hockey game and then go to, to church. Uh, but that was, you know, a turning point in that conversation. Uh, and she said, look, why don't you join a university Bible study group at our church? Uh, and from there, it, it all changed. I was open. I knew I needed God. I knew I needed to find out more. I, I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to kind of find true life because although sport was going well, uh, it really wasn't fulfilling me uh, in the ways that I, I thought it might, even if it was going successfully. Uh, yeah, it wasn't fulfilling. And I could see the kind of falseness in my life, so to speak. So that was the journey for between my second and third year. And over that summer, my heart and life just changed, really. My perspective on things, God changed my heart to want to desire his things. And I came back September, third year, joined a Christian support group at the university, and that was where my journey of kind of sport and faith came together. Uh, and that just made a massive difference, understanding and meeting other sports people who had a genuine faith, but also were serious about their sport. Um, amazingly, in my first two years, and even at school, I never met one Christian in my teams and at university. Um, and so this was a revelation for me to, to kind of join this Christian sport group. And it's why I'm passionate now about being, trying to be a Christian too, any teammate, any official now who might be uh, thinking about faith. Um, so, yeah, that's a kind of overview of kind of faith journey, really. Yeah, very helpful. Well, the very reason we make this podcast is that many of our listeners uh, will have a Christian faith uh, and there'll be a, a good number of people who are listening in on people, affairs uh, like you, you know, they get the sport, they know it inside out, they know the pressures of elite and competitive sport. And they may have some curiosity about where God fits into all this. Mm. You said something, uh, a lot of interesting things there. One of the things that caught my attention was um, that in this process as an undergraduate, you, you, at this point, right, you're, you're playing for Leicestershire in the second mm. team mm. Uh, mm. regularly. Mm. Uh, so you're, you're playing at a very good level. You're playing high-level hockey. Um, on many levels you should be really fulfilled because you're an extremely high achiever at one of the best sports universities in Europe. Um, but you said that your faith brought a fulfillment. I think you said that a fulfillment that you mm. hadn't experienced mm. in your sport and in the social life that, uh, that came mm. from that. Do mm. you want to unpack this fulfillment mm. uh, aspect? Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, it's, 
I think the the experiences in that second year were there were a few occasions when the, I, I was kind of the realities of high level sport hit the rubber hit the road. So uh, midway through that second year, I got dropped from the first team hockey team. Um, I, I would say, looking back at the time, it was because my lifestyle wasn't right. I was drinking too much and my, life, my diet wasn't good enough. I probably wasn't doing the fitness I should have been doing. So I got dropped for you know a month or so. So that was an eye opener. Um, but also uh, my cricket was kind of coming to a point where it was rubber hit the road as well. So I was 19, 20. I had to make decisions between hockey and cricket. Um, and uh, I needed to, to, to work out where I was going. And my cricket was kind of going okay, but there were, you know, at Loughborough University, I think in the, the university first team, I think all but two of us were already professionally contracted. And we had, you know, we had Monty Panasar, who was in England, prospect at that point playing with us who had been with the England Lions squad at the time so a serious kind of cricket outfit and so you know sobering that actually you know uh, I wasn't what I thought I could uh, could be and I wasn't on top of the world at times and that made me realize actually my my security and self-worth and value was very much undermined and I, that's why I think you know when we talk about identity I break it down to kind of worth and value what do we look to to bring us worth and value and and my sport wasn't delivering that my relationship with my girlfriend wasn't delivering that uh my lifestyle wasn't delivering that and that's the the hole that i uh was desperately trying to fill and uh that's what made me come back to to the to the bible really and come back to church i would say and at that point nick i, I think every every single athlete uh, or ex-athlete listening to us now will completely get that. You, when you come to the point in your career where you've climbed and climbed, you, you're getting above everybody else, you're up and up the ladder, then you're with the level mm. that actually mm. stretches you all the way and actually you may not you may not keep up with it. Mm. Uh, there's a version of that for all top young athletes. Mm. Uh, however high you go, you, you're very high up the ladder, but mm. wherever you get to, you will get to there. Um, mm. Sometimes people will say, all right, th that's fine. You, you found a degree of fulfillment and security. You found an equilibrium in your identity through Christian faith, through a relationship with God, through Christ. Sometimes coaches, of course, who aren't Christians particularly worry that that'll take the edge away, the mojo. Mm. Now, you started off uh, with my first question about connecting sport and faith. Return to that for us then. How mm. how did this knit together now then? Mm. Uh, security and fulfillment in Christ, and yet energy to play, desire to play. Mm. How did how did that start mm. to fit with this point again? Yeah, um, I think it's a great point. I think it's a really good point, and, and it'll look different in both sports, uh, hockey and cricket. But I'd say I'd probably focus on cricket at this stage because cricket was the main sport by my third year. Um, and I think the cricket was the one that was impacted mostly by my, my faith and my new relationship with God. Um, I think, you know, obviously as a batsman primarily, as a batsman primarily, I bowled a little bit, but my batting was the one that kind of progressed more. Um, uh, I would say the anxiety and the pressure around trying to perform and score runs was one that was, was quite crippling at times. And I think uh, what really made a difference was now 
as a Christian, I could trust that God, uh, God was in charge of my life. Uh, he was the number one in my life. Uh, I had been living life as if uh, I was number one and that what I want is going to be the best for me. But actually, when I when I recognize that God, the Lord Jesus is now number one in my life, he knows what's best for my life. He's created me. He's given me the gifts and talents. Uh, I could now leave my cricket and whatever performance has come in his hands and know that it, it, whatever comes will be the best for me. If I'm following him and wanting his 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 best and his glory, then the best will come for me, whether that is to continue playing professional cricket or not, whether it's something else. And I, and I remember that summer between my second and third year, uh, that overwhelming piece just carried into onto the pitch with me. And uh, I was just able to go out just with a real free spirit and uh, play in a way that I hadn't before, kind of liberated from the burden of thinking the whole world was on me to now thinking, actually, well, it's, it's not on me. I can enjoy the gift God has given me. I'm doing the hard yards in training. I can trust that as well uh, in a very kind of real sense uh, and know that actually yeah it's all in God's hands and and that just enabled me to to play the way I did and I scored more runs than I'd ever scored and that eventually got me um I think I averaged kind of near the top in the team the second team at that in that summer and got me a contract for the following year um so I'd say that was the biggest impact and, and actually my my coaches talk about the coaches and their what they see uh they clocked this they clocked this uh, and I was also through Christians of Sport group at university. They were very uh, uh, strong to, to make sure that I was, you know, to encourage me to share my faith with my teammates, which at first was a real battle uh, and transition. But I started to do that. And my so my coaches cottoned on to the fact that I'd become a Christian and, and asked me about it. So, so, you know, I just remember one conversation with Phil Whitakus, who was the, the second team coach at the time, uh, I was on the boundary fielding and he was walking around. He said, so Ferris, what's this? I hear you've, you found God. And, and there it was. It's just an opportunity just to say, actually, yeah. Um, as it was, I didn't score any runs in that game. So it wasn't a great, great testimony to what I'm saying here. Uh, but the overall picture was there. I hope you're enjoying our chat with Nick Ferriby. We'll get back to it in just a minute. But before then, I wanted to tell you about Game Day. Game Day is our new weekly devotion for sports people. You can choose which day of the week to get it and have a short devotion sent straight to your inbox or you can listen to it on your phone. It's designed to help sports people prepare to compete, helping them fix their eyes on Jesus before their game day. It takes less than 10 seconds to sign up, I promise you. Just head to christiansinsport.org.uk forward slash game day. That's christiansinsport.org.uk forward slash game day. Great. Enjoy the second half of our interview with Nick Farabee. You made your uh, first team debut for Leicester Sharksley around 2007, wasn't it? 2007, mm. I yeah. think. Um, so we're in that period now, aren't we? Broadly mm. speaking. Yeah. Um, when we come to this point of conversation, again, for people who are competitive and elite athletes who, who share your faith, uh, mm. there are interesting questions on this, and they're often interesting to somebody who's not sure they are a Christian at this point. Mm. Okay, so you you say you 
you take your private life into the dressing room. I think that's what we're saying here because professional sport so often compete on competitive and professional sports so often mm. encourage you to um, present yourself differently in the changing room than you do at home. Keep yourself, mm. keep home home. Mm. When, you're, when you're at the club, this is how it works at the club. Just be one of the club, one yes. of the boys, one of the girls. Yeah. Um, all, all right. So you don't hide. You're out that you have a Christian faith. Uh, this is news to people around you. Mm. Most people will say, uh, good, thanks for telling us, show us. Uh, what were the challenges you faced now, the, the joys and the challenges that you faced when people knew that you had Christian faith, but it mm. inevitably brought you into some kind of countercultural attitudes mm. or behaviour? Did that happen to you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'd say... You know, cricket is a unique sport. I mean, every sport is different in terms of their the uh, what it looks like uh, in terms of how much you spend time uh, wise with your teammates. So, cricket is one of those sports where, for four days of a cricket match, you're in the dressing room or on the pitch with your teammates. You're in a hotel for four nights. Uh, unlike you know rugby or football, where you might be training for uh, you know half a day or a full day, and then you're home with your family. Uh, cricket is very much kind of you're living with your teammates for pretty much for the summer and so um, that presents both great times with teammates uh, and opportunities to share your faith and just to live alongside teammates uh, but also so challenges uh, in how the Christian negotiates that and you can imagine a, a group of 11 lads in a dressing room for a whole day especially when it's raining you can imagine in the amount of Got a drivel that gets taught and uh, garbage that comes out of people's mouths, but just fun and banter. I, I have such cherished memories of those times. And uh, that's part of why I loved the game uh, and why we love the game is because uh, it is a unique game in that respect. Um, but it is presented its challenges. Um, I remember one occasion when uh, in that my Leicestershire time, when uh, I was, uh, you know, kind of, making my way through from the second team to the first team and uh, we were in for training on one day and the, the the whole squad was in the first team dressing room kind of getting ready for training and I walked into the changing room and uh, our Aussie overseas player uh, I won't say his name because the, the story is a little bit crude uh, or kind of crude for the day um, but uh, I walked in and the Aussie overseas player said to me hey Ferris what's this I hear about you uh, not wanting to shag any birds until you get married at which point the whole dressing room kind of went silent and uh, I was put on the spot. I'd only just walked in and I didn't know this, the, the, the player personally that well yet. Uh, so I was like, oh, good morning. Good to see you too, mate. Uh, but I just said, uh, look, yeah, that's true. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the one, uh, waiting till I meet the one and kind of just made light of it. Of course, there's a lot of banter and chirps after that. Uh, I had a, there's a, you know, that inevitable feeling of feeling this small, but at the same time, knowing that I was in the right place and a conviction that I was, you know, uh, on the, the right path, so to speak, in my life. Uh, and what came from that, uh, no conversation, uh, that, as you said, in the dressing room, it's very hard to have heartfelt conversations when all the lads are in there. It's just banter. And you've got to, in some ways, kind of honour that. But at the same time, look for opportunities where the conversation can become more genuine. And there are other times when it when it did. 
that time it didn't. But later on in the week, one of the my fellow kind of second team players, Luke Wright, who was one of the juniors at the time of England on 19s, became a great player for Sussex uh, and England. Uh, he, he then asked me about it. He said, look, what's this? Uh, uh, how, you know, when did you become a Christian? How did it happen? Why? What does this mean for your life? Why do Christians believe this? He, he asked me a number of questions. Uh, and uh, that was in, in the dressing room for the second team. Uh, and there were three other lads in the conversations. We had a great discussion uh, about it. And that was more genuine. Um, of course, one of the lads still had to chirp up and say, but Ferris, think about all the damage you could do on the circuit, uh, which is crude, I know. Uh, but, uh, you know, th th those are the, the, the kind of the challenges, whether it be relationships, whether it be drinking on nights out between the second and the third day, the rain card for cricketers, you know, what do you do with that when you know there's rain forecast the next day and the boys want to have a big night out in Leeds? Uh, things like that. You have to work out how to navigate those issues. But I loved it uh, on the whole. Uh, that said, I wasn't always perfect. There were times when I, I did slip up and, and messed up. It, it, it's noticeable, actually, uh, uh, Ferris, as, as we record these conversations, there seems to be an incredible link between coming to faith, knowing that you have faith in Christ, to a kind of internal, almost existential experience of security and a joy that you didn't have before, and a gratitude that inevitably spills over into the way you conduct yourself in the changing room. Mm. In your case, you know, in a hotel and so on. Mm. Often failing, of course, but mm. there's an authenticity to it that leads to genuine conversations. Mm. Um, mm. And anyone who's competitive or elite player will know that these things are never forced. They're always intuitive, but they mm -hmm. invariably follow mm -hmm. from authentic behaviours, mm -hmm. the courage to be your real self. Mm -hmm. um, as you've grown older, uh, we're talking about the start of your cricketing career. Uh, we're talking about university here. Um, we've got a few minutes to play with. I, I wouldn't mind fast-forwarding a little bit, because as I interview you today, uh, you're assistant pastor of, of uh, Jersey Baptist Church, which is mm. not a million mm. miles away from being a, a Loughborough in the mm. noughties, but it's a distance. Mm. Um, uh, meanwhile, of course, you carried on playing and you, having been in Jersey for some time, you qualified to play in 2018. Mm. And uh, it's been uh, probably pretty exciting, 18 T20 internationals. And... Mm. Um, mm included in that is the the qualifications for the t20 world cup mm. so mm. been quite fun yeah. isn't it playing cricket in it jersey has. and being a baptist minister give it i know give us the context <laughs> uh yeah it was uh it's, this the the jersey cricket journey has been a real bonus really uh the the original move to Jersey was back in 2015 to take a role with Christian sport and combine that with, with a church. Um, but then eventually became a full-time church worker for Jersey Baptist church, uh, which is where I am now, uh, been four or five years there. And it's a real joy kind of, uh, being involved with youth work there, children's work, uh, young adults doing some of the preaching and yeah, a real joy, uh, but still playing sport on the island and uh, still playing a bit of hockey and, and cricket locally. And of course, the Jersey team, which wasn't really on the radar when I first moved there. Uh, I knew that they had a good kind of cricket set up, but I had to wait three years, I think, four years before I could qualify. It was originally four years. And then suddenly I got a phone call from the coach saying it's now three years. You're in. Do you want to come and do it? 
And uh, I thought for about a second uh, and said, yes. Uh, uh, I did have a, a wife and I think one child at that stage. I'm trying to do my maths here. Uh, so I did have a wife and one child. So I did have to kind of do, do due diligence and pass it by the boss. Uh, but uh, it was just a real privilege and honour to be able to play at that level again uh, and to play for jerseys. It's such an incredible set of, of players. Uh, some in the cricket world will see their journey in associate cricket where they're really just going from strength to strength in the world, world qualifiers, T20 qualifiers, and they're now qualified for the next ODI tournament uh, in a build-up to the 50 over World Cup. So incredible setup, great coaching setup as well, uh, which I loved kind of every minute of it and some great experiences there as well. So, yeah. As a more mature man, uh, how did it pan out uh, with your faith and sport there? Mm. Obviously, it's an entirely different situation after many years as a Christian and mm. in your day job now. How, uh, mm. Did the same pattern without going to individual details obviously but mm. has the pattern we've discussed in this podcast mm. emerged there mm. it's amazing how even though life professionally can move on in many ways and family wise uh it's amazing how sport still has that ability to really grab you um you know uh, the the tournament the tournaments for jersey they come in tournaments as opposed to league so you're away consumed in cricket for well, there's a build-up of kind of six weeks training back in 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 Jersey, and then there's a, a maybe a couple of friendlies in the UK, and uh, and then you're away for three three weeks, sometimes four weeks, depending on the tournament. And it's amazing how you can still get engrossed in all those battles in terms of identity, self worth, value, even though you're 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 settled in life in in many other ways, professionally and, and family wise. Uh, it still has that ability to kind of challenge you. And uh, it was, you know, the, yeah, there were times, challenging times. I remember one particular moment where uh, I was particularly challenged by kind of like identity. And uh, that was during the World Cup qualifiers in 2018, I think it was, or two, 2019, when we were um, playing in the UAE. So Dubai and Abu Dhabi, we were one of 10 teams trying to qualify for the T20 World Cup. Um, and we ha we had a really good tournament. We beat so we there were five games in our group. We beat Oman, who were above us in the, in the rankings. We beat UAE, UAE, who were way above us in the rankings, and we beat Nigeria, which was an easier game. Uh, we lost to Ireland. They're a strong team, but then there was one game against Hong Kong, uh, which uh, on paper and on form we were we should have won really, um, but we didn't. And that game cost us the ability then to, to qualify for the T20 World Cup. And I'd say probably that is like even just playing for many different teams, Cambridgeshire, university stuff, um, um, Leicestershire, Kibworth, my cricket club, many different journeys I've been on. That was probably the, the most soul-destroying uh, because I guess the, 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 the opportunity for such a small team, small country to qualify for the T20 World Cup, but I remember the end of that game, how hollow and, and gutted I was. Uh, I didn't perform very well in the game. Uh, and as a team, obviously we had, you know, we, we didn't bat well enough, we're chasing a low score and we just banana skinned and didn't chase it. Uh, and so, I, and actually I, I, I reflect back on my, the way I was after that game. Uh, I wasn't probably a great witness because I was probably more gutted than anyone else on the team. Everyone was gutted, 
But I remember, you know, a, f- a few teammates trying to talk to me about just general chit chat that evening after the game and, and the next day. I just couldn't do it. I was just stomach sick. And I guess it's probably because I thought, well, this is my last opportunity to have a real good stab at top level cricket, just for enjoyment, really. Um, uh, and just to push myself, challenge myself with the skills God given me. And it just didn't work out there. Um, I'm a bit too old now to continue fighting that battle. And there's better, ah. better, better younger players now that have come through in the jersey setup, which is a joy to see. Ferris, that that that's why a great uh, writer, a friend anyway of mine, uh, called Ashley Null, calls a sport the school of discipleship, mm. uh, because they, they, as long as you play, coach, compete, direct. Uh, you will have stories just like yours in your later 30s. Mm. Uh, you'll have them in your 40s and 50s and 60s because mm. God seems to use, the. it goes back where you came in, I think. Mm. He, mm. he didn't just make you, but he knows every detail mm. of you, your psyche, your physicality, mm. your technique, mm. hand-eye. Mm. And he will use the thing that he gives you the greatest talent is Mm. in to draw you closer to himself in joy and adversity that's how it seems to work doesn't it oh absolutely and i think going back to the original question about how sport and faith came together i would say through my sport my relationship with god has very much grown you know it's uh becoming a christian and a follower of jesus is very much about dependence and actually our, our rebellion and sinfulness is mainly around our independence we live independently of god and uh, ordain our lives in ways in which against God's order. Um, but sport has that ability to help us realise we we are very dependent on a, our creator. And sport has, has done that really over the years, you know, from two years after university playing professional cricket for Leicestershire, having a, a really good first year, then having a, a shocking second year, not getting offered another contract, having two years out kind of soul searching in my mid 20s. What am I going to do with this? finding true identity i remember the hollowness of kind of post that contract the hollowness of people asking me you know what do you do for a living now and, and i couldn't say i'm a professional cricketer because i wasn't signed i wasn't contracted i just remember the identity crisis that was for me and how i needed to get my identity right with with jesus uh, but also just the, the joy of kind of working that out, getting a work graft in my game hard and then getting re-signed again in, in 2007, 2008. And that's when I made my debut for Leicester, one day debut and, and had that year with Leicester. Um, and it didn't work out long term. That was my final year. Uh, but I was at peace and content knowing that I'd got everything out of my talent and ability. Uh, and uh, it wasn't quite good enough at age 25 to to be better than the 19, 20 year olds that were coming through, uh, even though it was, I was doing well and was at peace with that. And I think, mm. yeah. And I think in terms of, you know, witness and that authenticity, the authenticity is not just about kind of, I think getting it right as a Christian, but also how we communicate, what we communicate when we get it wrong. And I think that's, that's, you know, whether it's when I've had a, a few too many drinks or whether I've kind of, uh, you know, thrown the toys out when I've got out, which for a batsman is is always the challenge. You know, what do you do with your kit, your helmet when you get back in the change room? How do you address an umpire's decision and language you used? I've always kind of taken the opportunities to try and communicate grace that actually uh, I'm a Christian because I get it wrong. 
because I get it wrong, I, I recognize I need help. And that's why I'm a Christian, not because I think I get it right. I'm not a Christian because I get it right. I'm a Christian because I am sinful. I do need help. I do need Jesus to save me from myself so that I can live a life that glorifies him. Um, so, yeah, there's been many times, um, you know, I remember if I've got time for one more story, uh, there was one occasion when we were, I was playing in a, a pro-am tournament in Barbados, uh, the joys and, and pleasures of, of being a cricketer. You get to visit beautiful places. So we're in Barbados uh, as a team and we're playing it in a pro-am tournament and uh, it was kind of more social than, than serious. And so at the end of the game, uh, both teams are in the dressing room and um, uh, there were drinking fines going around. Uh, but this is Barbados, not UK. And so the drink was not beer, it was rum, uh, which, <laughs> which is, of course in Barbados is like water. Uh, it's, you know, very cheap. And so uh, basically for any thing in the game whether it be good or a good part whether a player has done something good or bad or stupid or funny they had to do a finger for every thing they did uh unfortunately it doesn't happen very often i had a very very good game which didn't pay well for the drinks fines so i ended up uh, i got a few runs i got some catches and i ended up having to do i think six or seven um. fingers on the pint of rum and i remember I remember that the, the fines were going around both teams. There's lots of cheering around the dressing room, on the table, person had to stand up, do their drink. And throughout that whole kind of like 20 minutes as it was coming around to me, I was like, Nick, say no, say no. Tell them kind of what you believe and, and where you stand. Do it, do it. In my head, I was saying, do it. It came around to me and I bottled it. I massively bottled it. I stood up and I tanked this ridiculous kind of, half or more than a half pint of rum and uh obviously I, I didn't drink much so I was legless after that uh, I, but I also just felt sick to the stomach because I felt like you know that that wasn't who I was that wasn't my identity and my but the amazing thing is my teammates knew that that evening they kind of knew that I was gutted and actually I saw one of those teammates just a few weeks ago catching up and interestingly he said to me he said to me, Ferris, one of my biggest regrets from that tour, that tournament was, uh, and I was speaking to another teammate, uh, we were both saying our biggest regret is that we didn't step in for you and take that pint for you because we knew you didn't want to do it and we knew you were gutted. So even in the mess, even when we get it wrong, if, if, if you know, you're doing by God's strength and by God's grace what we can, teammates notice and authenticity is is actually communicating in grace when we don't get it right and actually that's that's a, that's a better opportunity than when, when we get it right in many ways i think yeah nick Ferraby, an absolute pleasure great stories heartfelt honest and true faithful ones good man it's uh, it's been a joy it's been a joy chatting with you thanks very much thank you dan it's been great thank you for having me Well, thanks, Dano. Thanks, Nick. That was super. Thank you for your time as well, listening in. And we hope and pray it's been an encouraging and challenging listen. Now, if you're involved in uh, the world of sports, if you're an amateur or elite sport, then you can connect with other sports people like you in one of our various networks. We have local networks for amateur sports people, which meet in towns and cities all over the UK. We then have similar for students, but also for elite athletes and the parents of elite athletes. These help connect others in similar situations together, give them time in the Bible and a chance to pray together. 
If that sounds up your street, then do head to christiansinsport.org.uk forward slash networks and sign up today. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. We've got plenty more to come soon. We'll see you next time.